Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Momenty Podcast. This is episode 259, and I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the, uh, or welcome to the final episode of season 11 of the show and the final episode of 2020 of the Momenty Podcast, which is, oh, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Let's end this year, move on to the next year, but I'm going to end this year or this this podcast in 2020 with an amazing episode. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. You're going to love it. Uh, I've got Wallace Howick on the show. So for over 30 years, Wallace has provided advice as a chartered professional accountant to a wide range of clients, including large financial institutions. And he's also volunteered continuously throughout his career in the design and teaching of professional development programs for CPA Canada. And for many years, he has contributed to the CPA Canada Literacy Program, including as plenary speaker at the Managing Money Conferences. Um, I have him on the show because he has a book out called Love and Money Conversations to Have Before You Get Married. But quite honestly, I went through the book. This is a book that you can read um, not just you know before marriage, but even if you are married or if you're in a common law relationship or if you are single, but you know you want to know what how to have a conversation about money with your future partner. Um, it has it's a really well written, very easy read. It's not very long, which I kind of like sometimes. <laughs> you're like, just give me the good stuff. Um, and, uh, doesn't have to be a 500 page novel. Um, and it's just, I, I'm really ha- happy to have him on the show because I feel like this topic, I really haven't had too many people on the show, quite honestly, to talk about, um, relationships and money. And this is, I'm going to have another guest on the show next year. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. It's not just about relation. Anyways, I'm not going to, it doesn't matter. Why am I even saying this? It's not even a done deal yet, but it's going to happen. So don't worry. Um, but it's just like such an important um, thing that we all need to know. And it's a very common question I get from couples being like, how do we how do we manage our money together? How do we have these conversations, especially if you haven't done it for a very long time? It's not easy. Um, and he really lays it out for you and gives you suggestions and also talking points. So this is a, a great book to pick up. And we're going to talk all about it in this episode. But before I get to that episode, just a few words I want to share about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Momenty Podcast is supported by Passive. If you've been a longtime listener of the show, then you know that I am a big fan of passive investing. I'm also a big promoter of DIY investing because you can save a ton of money on fees, which over the course of decades can make you thousands of dollars richer. Well, if you're a DIY investor and are looking to ditch those homemade spreadsheets, there's a new portfolio management tool called Passive you'll definitely want to check out. Not only that, Passive is free to all Questrade clients. Passive helps you keep a balanced portfolio in your brokerage account with ease. It's like being your own personalized robo-advisor. Simply choose how you want to invest your money and Passive will help you stay on target with just one click. Speaking of clicks, go to passive.com slash momoney to learn more or to sign up for an account. And that's P-A-S-S-I-V. Once again, to learn more about how Passive can up your DIY investing game, visit Passive.com slash MoMoney. Welcome to the show, Wallace. I'm so excited to have you on. Well, thank you for inviting me. You're so welcome. So this has been a topic I've been getting a lot of requests to dive into on the show, uh, which is basically uh, relationships and money. I've only done a 
you know, maybe a handful of episodes on this topic, but you wrote a book specifically on it. So we can really dive deep into it. So you would be the the expert to go to. It's called Love and Money Conversations to Have Before You Get Married. Um, it's very nice and uh, short to read. So there's no excuse that people can't pick it up and get through it and like, you know, a sitting with their partner. And what I love most about it is it's comprised of the questions we need to ask uh, ourselves and also our partner to really get to the root of what we need to know. And I think that's like the biggest thing is couples don't know where to start and you start with asking questions, <laughs> these questions specifically. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it, it's a good point of departure uh, in, in the sense that in order to have a constructive relationship, information is important and process matters. We all know that marriage is rich in hope and commitment to the future, but realization of that future requires an understanding each of the other and the, and using that understanding to work together. And one of the things that became very evident to me is very few people understand their own attitudes, beliefs, and values about money. And it's not just one member of the couple, it's often both. And and in that void, how do you create the necessary understanding? So you're right. The premise of the book uh, is to help couples understand how to talk about money. Mm-hmm. And one thing, well, first, I, before we really dive in, because I, I definitely do want to dive in, what inspired you to write this book? Because it's very specific. I feel like lots of personal finance books touch on it, but they don't just talk about it the whole time. What inspired you to create this? Well, like so many things, it's juxtaposition. Um, I had read an article many years ago about um, the divorce rate in Canada and the time it was rising and thought to be somewhere in the range of 35 to 40%. And that struck me as surprising, to be honest. And so the question was why? Next event in the chain. I was in Calgary one night um, speaking on tax and investment planning and there's always a formal question period when I do that, but very often folks will stay after to ask individual questions they didn't want to ask in the public forum. Last, last lady of the list of, or line of folks that came to ask questions after allowed that she was facing an ugly divorce and she had a tax question around that. And she said something that really struck me. She said, We rarely talk about money, and when we do, it becomes an argument that degrades into sullen silence, and we never make any progress. Mm, I feel like that's a common (laughs) thing with lots of couples. And it, it, it struck me. It struck me that maybe, maybe couples don't know how to talk about money. Next event in the chain, why would that be? And I... I grew to believe over time that many of us do not recognize our own attitudes, beliefs, and values around money, many of which we acquire by almost osmosis without really being aware of them. And the family is a huge influence in that process. But they operate below the surface. 
that doesn't mean they're not real. It just means that there's an almost a, a reaction, uh, an automatic gravitating to financial conduct without really thinking through why. So that fascinated me. And I sort of carried the book around in my back pocket for a lot of years. And a couple of years ago, an old friend said to me, are you ever going to write that book? (laughs) (laughs) And so I did. Um, I, 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 I felt I had to decide whether there was something constructive that I could add to the discourse. So I talked to a lot of people in the course of writing the book just just to try and get a sense of whether I had something to contribute to the discourse. Because if young couples can get started on the right foot, they have a lot of years to benefit from getting started on that right foot. Oh my gosh, so true. And I think this is, it's such an important thing. And I think people know it. Like, I feel like we, you know, in articles and even books and and people know that money is an important thing that they need to discuss in a relationship. People just don't know how. And so they don't. (laughs) Exactly. And that's, that's why some of the processes I've set out in the book, I thought might be helpful to, to bridge. It's almost a chasm. You know, it, it, so the book's intended to help you, the reader, discover and explore your own attitudes and values and understand your partner's attitudes, beliefs, and values about money. Totally. And I think that's a really important point to make is I think sometimes, especially when we're talking about this topic, usually there's like one person in the relationship who's kind of the driving force. There's usually one person, hey, we need to talk about this. We need to read this book and, and get some uh, guidance or we need to you know, see a, a financial planner or there's always one person and then there's the other person who's like kind of along for the journey. Oh yeah, I guess so. And I feel like some, and this is something that I've had to learn in my personal life or working with couples too, is when you're in that partnership, it isn't just about you being the leader and then you like, oh no, my, my partner has to get their act together. It's like, and it really does have to be equal. And you really do have to, cause you know, you touch on this in the book. You really do need to not just, uh, speak your mind and share your opinion, but you really need to listen. And I think that's like such a hard lesson for people to learn. It's like, no, 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 you need to listen. You need to be quiet and listen. Cause I feel like a lot of couples, They'll talk to each or talk at each other, but they won't actually really receive what the other person is saying. And that's a really good point. That's what that's one of the most fundamental um, chasms that folks fall into is if you want to be heard, listen. You know, there, there's a when we talk about process and whether it's this process or any other process, if I try to impose the solution. I've got this. This is what we're going to do. That is destined for failure, that behavior. Uh, The solution, my determination of the solution is not going to work. It's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah. You have to come at it, you know, and again, I being the kind of personal finance person in my relationship and just also in my career, that was something that I had to learn because I'm like, why is my husband so resistant to us talking? Probably because it's pretty intimidating (laughs) to be in a relationship with this gal who loves to talk money. And so that took a long time for us to kind of come to a place where I needed to check myself and listen more than talk. (laughs) So When it comes to process, I find there's, there's, there's a good maxim. And that maxim is, Model the behavior 
that you would like to elicit. And if you want to be heard, listen. I share your view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, one question I get pretty often, and I'm sure you get this often as well, is uh, when is the right time to bring up the topic of money? Because a lot of people, I think, are like, should we wait until we move in together? Um, or is it when we're dating and not living together? Is it after we get married, right before we get married? When is the right time? The discussion is often triggered by life events, like Maybe we're moving in together or we've been living together and now we're going to get married. But the first conversation can be subtle and quite seemingly unimportant. And that first conversation might be one turns to the other and says, on a very early date, how are we paying for this dinner? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- there are small cues that we may not recognize in the moment, but that start to formulate how this is going to go. I would say actual formalized, let's sit down and have a chat, tends to be around big events like we're going to live together or if we're living together, we're getting married. But there's all kinds of cues along the way, I think. Yeah, I think one like kind of uh, key one when I discovered when we, me and my husband were dating is uh, planning a trip together because, you know, those can be costly and you're like, how what's how much are we going to spend and how much are we going to both contribute and how does that look like? And that was like the first like, oh, okay, we, we really have to talk about money. <laughs> well, and it gets to be, and it starts to raise really important issues about how we allocate things. Like let's assume, for example, for the moment that in that discussion, you made more income than your husband. Should you, by virtue of that, pick up the bigger share of the trip? Or, uh, well, you have a big student loan, and that's actually augmenting your income earning power in the long run. So even though I make less, maybe we should split it evenly. It, so th- there's a there's a weighing up process there. Yeah. And one thing, I think the other kind of big uh, thing for us was definitely going on trips was kind of uh, the big kind of, you know, we had some actual real conversations about money, but that definitely when we moved in together, because I'm like, okay, well, we have to split the bills. You know, we have rent together. We have utilities together. We have some s- subscriptions. How are we going to do this? And I think at that point, a lot of people who are in that uh, relationship aren't sure is this time that we get a joint checking account? When do we do that? When and do we have to do that? And I feel like that kind of, those kind of conversations have evolved a lot. I mean, uh, I feel like in the past, even like this is like kind of funny, but when me and my husband got married, I maybe this is a few years after we got married, I made you know I think it was a blog post and a video about this is how we you know manage our money just so you know, and the comments I got were so fascinating. A lot of people were like, "I can't believe you don't completely combine your finances. We pretty much do things separately, but then we also have some joint accounts. We made a system that works for us, but it was so fascinating people's uh expectations or just they just assumed once you get married you should do this but i know you talk about in the book there's no right or wrong way but i feel like a lot of people don't necessarily think that way the right or wrong way is the way that works for you as a couple um increasingly my sense is that um i mean there's two obvious choices both our pays go into an account and the bills get paid from that account. And we each transfer out from that 
joint account, for lack of a better word, uh, to our savings or an, a, a, maybe we've agreed on a $200 a month unaccounted for allowance. No questions asked, no explanations needed. Um, an, 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 another common way of how is, okay, um, you you pay the bills and all contribute to your account in an amount that pays those bills. Um, or we each transfer, our pays don't go in to a joint account, they go into separate accounts and we each have automatic transfers to pay the rent and, and the utility groceries and so on. Th- th- those are slightly different. What matters is which one's going to work for you. And I guess that's a conversation in itself. What makes us comfortable? And I think a lot of people are like, I'm not comfortable combining my finances with someone, even if we're married. I just, you know, I think a lot of people like to maintain their independence, which I totally get. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not a new phenomenon. Uh, I know, I know women who are not in their early thirties who this book is largely targeted at very young couples who is significantly older than that. And she and her husband, who she loves dearly, I, I know these folks, uh, been married for 25 years. Her pay goes into her account and she sends money to pay the mortgage and the groceries to her, hus- to her husband, uh, who's an accountant, does the accounting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's right. I think there is this need for financial independence. And, and, you know, to some degree, that's always been a problem. Older, women who are in their 50s will remember the days when they didn't have a credit card and didn't have a credit rating. Don't ever want to be in those shoes. Yeah. And that's, well, that's like a, a thing that when I see, you know, uh, clients or they're a couple and everything is going on to, uh, you know, the man's um, credit card and it's like, oh no, it's a joint credit card, but really it's a spousal card. So uh, it's really his credit card. I'm like, we need to make sure you both have your own credit cards and your own credit scores. Cause yeah, we don't want you to be in a position where maybe the guy dies and you have no credit. <laughs> we don't want that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so you you really kind of go through in this book, which I appreciate, and I think a lot of people sometimes don't really know what the uh, kind of sequence is, is what does a financial plan look like? I think a lot of people, I mean, I've had a lot of people on the podcast, so I feel like if people have been listening for a while, they, they kind of get it. But that was the one of the hardest things for me to really wrap my head around in my 20s is like, people always say this word financial plan, I have no idea what the heck that actually looks like. And you really walk through these are the these are the patterns. These are the things you need to do. It's about goal setting. It is about budgeting, which I know lots of people hate that word. <laughs> You've got to put, put that in the book. It is about really understanding what your expenses are. Um, but I appreciate how you kind of laid it out because like, and I'll tell everybody this too. This isn't just a how to do this, this, and this book. It, it is kind of written in a narrative. So you can kind of put yourself in the shoes of the couple that go through all this, which I think is less intimidating and more kind of understandable. Um but with that, you know, lots of people are like, where should we start specifically? Like, what is the most important thing we should do right off the bat? Well, I think building a plan is a four-step process. And each step in that process seeks the answer to a single question. So the four steps are, where are we now? Where do we want to get to? How do we get from here to there? And then checking back in, how are we doing? So the first step is, where are we? And that step is um, an information gathering step. You know, what what's coming in? What's going out? 
and where's it going? Uh, and without that information, you don't have a starting point on the road. You wouldn't, you wouldn't for one minute get in your car, head for a destination without knowing where you were starting. And so this, this becomes the point of departure. Where are we? What's coming in? What's going out? And, you know, that's not as laborious as some people think it is. Given today's world, you can go and get your credit card statements and you can come up pretty quickly with the recurring monthly expenses, get a, get a pretty good sense of what you're spending on food. And if you gather up, say, three months of credit card statements, and if you're a big debit card user, your, your, uh, your bank statement, and you can gather that information pretty quickly. You may have to turn a little bit of extra thought to the things that are not recurring monthly, like car insurance or uh, home insurance. But an investment of a little time will give you a pretty good starting point. And it's, in, and it's important to make the investment to have that starting point. Mm-hmm. I think one thing I hear often is, isn't there a way to automate this? Or, you know, because I feel like in this world, especially with all the new kind of fintech, uh, you know, popping up, which I think is great. A lot of people are looking for the easy way. Isn't there a way I could just set it and forget it, make it easy? And <laughs> you know what? Like, like you said, I like how you kind of said it. It's like, it's an investment in yourself. It's like, you do need to, sorry, if you want to make change, you have to, you can't just flick a switch. It doesn't work like that. And that's why personally, I'm a bit old school when it comes to things. Things like crafting a budget and tracking your spending and your net worth. I use a spreadsheet. I just download my transactions, like you kind of mentioned, from my bank accounts, plop them in a spreadsheet, take a good look. It's not complicated math because I have tried to use those automated programs. And you know what happens? I never look at them. (laughs) Your point is an important one. It's really important. Yes, there are all of these apps, and I'll make no comment on any of them individually. But your point is a really good point. There's an intimacy that you get from uh, pencil, paper, and a, and a simple spreadsheet that that just does not, in my experience, flow from some of these more sophisticated apps. In fact, we know that roughly half of Canadians have a budget, a, a little less than half. About one in seven Canadians does what you and I are talking about. Let's let's get out the pencil and pen and the spreadsheet. Uh, about about one in five Canadians who have a budget use um, you know one of the more sophisticated apps that are out there. And at the risk of sounding like a luddite, I I, I think there's a lot of value in terms of the intimacy and understanding you get from going longhand like you and I do. But that's not even the budget process yet. We're, we're just collecting information at this point, right? Uh, so the, the next step is say, okay, uh, we know where we are. We're here. Where do we want to be? And so the next step then is setting goals. So what can we agree on is important. Is saving important, paying off hopefully paying off credit cards is important. Um, you know, paying off the line of credit, saving to go back to school. What are our goals? And, and they have to be shared goals. Uh, can't, can't just be my goal. Uh, it's gotta be a shared goal. And that conversation, how that conversation goes becomes really important. And I'll give you a simple example. 
Um, in the book, I chose to use the literary platform of my having conversations with a young couple, Mark and Michelle. And one of the very first things I suggest they do, and I give them a little questionnaire to help them out, what are your attitudes, beliefs, and values about money? And the very first question is, what was what was the attitude, what was the value, what were the beliefs around money in your family? Was money tight? Was money a worry? Did money generate arguments among your parents? How did you learn about the practicalities of money? Did you have an allowance? Uh, did you, if you did, or were you, did your parents have the 3S system? Three jars, save, share, donations, and, and spend. So in order to, in order to be able to have a conversation about goals, you have to have a conversation about your attitudes, beliefs, and values about money. And so the book has this little questionnaire. And I recommend that young couples, each, each, each member of the couple answer that questionnaire individually and then compare answers. Because it's, it's, it's one of those things too where, I feel like so many people have been, you know, in a relationship for a while and they've never had that discussion about, yeah, beliefs and values and, and habits and, and how that's, you know, really impacted how they talk and think and, uh, you know, just act with their money. And I, I appreciate you go into that because I feel like a lot of people don't really go into that. And it's so important. I mean, I see that with couples all the time. I'm like, you know, they'll, they'll be speaking and I'm like, okay, I already have a sense of what your backgrounds are and why a lot of people have arguments because they're coming from very different backgrounds and perspectives. And it's important for, you know, we don't all have to be in the same background to, you know, like we don't all have to come from like, you know, for instance, like uh, typically you'll have a specific kind of mindset. If you come from a low income household, you'll act a certain way with your money when you're an adult. You don't have to have someone who's identical to you, but there needs to be some sort of understanding and respect to be like, okay, we're different and we need to understand, oh, that is why he acts that way or this is why she acts that way. I absolutely agree. That it that that is that is imperative that that understanding um, come and come fairly early. The, 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 the understanding can evolve the the quality of that understanding, but there has to, there has to be a beginning point and a really good beginning point for that conversation is if we're going if we're living together or we're going to get married and it, it has to be around goals and in the context of goals. Let's understand where, to use the colloquial, where each other come from. Yeah, it's super important. And I think it can, you'll avoid a lot of arguments because you'll be more understanding. And I think that's where the arguments kind of stem from is not, you just don't get where the other person, you know, you're like, I just don't get it. <laughs> well, it, equally important, Jessica, is I understand myself better. This, the process I outline in the book will cause, hopefully, will cause each member of the couple to surface their own beliefs, values, and attitudes. Because they, as I mentioned earlier, I believe they operate below the surface. Doesn't mean they're not real, but they operate below the surface. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, like you kind of mentioned, we touched on, most of us have no idea until 
until we have that conversation or kind of look at some of the questions you have in your book. I mean, for me, it honestly took me years to re- to really uh, understand my own background and and why I feel or, or think certain ways about my money. And then same t- for my husband. I mean, we we talk about money, you know, pretty often. And and it's only honestly in the last four years that he's really opened up and been comfortable. And we've been together for thirteen, and I think part of that is we didn't really know how to have the conversations um, about it, and and also like respect. I know you talk a lot about compromise, and I think that's also a very important thing. Sometimes I think we get really stuck into our individuality, and it's like, well, you are in a partnership. There's two people in here, and so it doesn't necessarily mean you're giving up, but it really is about where where do we want to go? Like, we've got to kind of put the couple or the partnership first. Where do we want to go as a partnership? Exactly. I, I absolutely agree with you. So before I let you go, um, when you are, like, let's pretend... There's a young couple listening right now, and let's say they are thinking about getting married. Maybe they live together. They've never really had a conversation about their finances. What are some key things they need to put on the table so they both know? I mean, I know a lot of people um, have ne- don't even really know what their partner earns or don't even know that their partner has debt or they haven't revealed that they have debt to their partner. The first step in the process, I think, is to say, are 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 we in this together? And if we are, we should have a conversation about finance. And if we're going to have a combination conversation, it has to be full disclosure. Both in terms of, I mean, I can't expect full disclosure from my partner and not reciprocate. And failure to do that will undermine respect one for the other. Um, So in the book, I try to help people get started with that, with that conversation. What do you do if you find that you're, you're open to it, but your partner isn't, is there any way to change their mind or to get them to be open? Well, uh, that's a challenge. (laughs) (laughs) That's a challenge. And uh, I, I think the way to begin the conversation is, do we want to have this conversation? And if your partner says, ah, you know what? I don't think we need to have the conversation. That's important information for you. That's very important information. Um, sometimes uh, I know in one instance where there was a reluctant partner, the partner who thought this was important gave the book to the reluctant partner and said, can you just have a read? Can you just have a read? Uh, the other partner did and said, okay, I'm willing to try. So, it, it, again, it's, and this time it's not content, it's process. You, the solution I think we should have if I is not going to work. It goes back to your earlier point, Jessica. You have to bring along your partner. And one way to do that, a low-key way to do that, is to say, here's some information. You know, what do you think? Yeah. Because, like, very much, uh, and I, I hear this, uh, you know, there will be one person who's actually just interested in money and, and, and like, yes, let's do this. And the other person is like, I've never talked to anybody about money. So the idea of talking to you, my partner, who we're, you know, intimate with, it's terrifying. 
Like it's actually terrifying. I mean, that's definitely what I've seen. That's a, a hurdle my husband had to get over because they don't talk about money in their family. And so that's, it's a hard hurdle. But I think the important thing that I've realized is it's not something that can be done right away. It can take time. If your per- partner isn't where you're at on your kind of journey, it'll take time. And that means sometimes years. <laughs> it does. I mean, a relationship is a process. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And processes, as you rightly point out, take time. They take investment. It's not just the passage of time. They take thoughtful investment and they take thoughtful investment, not only in content, but in process. Um, if you're going to have a conversation, model the behavior you'd like to, to, to elicit. And to your point earlier, be curious. Why does my partner think that's important? And help me to understand. Help me to understand, partner, why that's important. And then I think it's equally important to check in. So I hear, I, I hear you saying, and um, that engenders a certain respect, that, that process. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess listening to an episode like this is just like put it on the background. <laughs> what a great way to, you know, start a conversation. Like, oh, that's interesting what they're talking about. <laughs> I always find it's a great, like kind of subtle way. You're like, oh, it's so weird. I, I didn't, I was just tuning in and this is what the episode's about. <laughs> Jessica, it's the first time in my life that I've ever had my thoughts offered for background music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, nice. What a nice idea. Oh, well, I think your book is just a great, like, easy way, entry point for couples where, you know, if they're kind of also like the idea of like going to a financial planner together is like, whoa, that's, that's a big step. We're not there yet. We need to t- have these conversations first and, and see what we can do on our own. Your book is such a great kind of entry point into that. So definitely recommend people grab a copy. If people want to reach out to you or, or follow you or ask you some questions, where can they find you? They can reach me at, uh, I'll give you one of my email addresses. It's Wallace Howick at wallacehowick.com. That's W-A-L-L-A-C-E-H-O-W-I-C-K. Wallace Howick at wallacehowick.com. I'm, al- I'm always interested in hearing from folks. Yeah, I bet you are. And I'm sure you're going to get a lot, you know, as this book, uh, you know, more people pick it up, you'll probably get more and more stories for maybe a future book. <laughs> So thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Well, thank you for having me. And I, I enjoyed our conversation, Jessica. And I, my, my genuine hope is that in some way it's helpful to your listeners. I think it will be. I think it really will be. And that was episode 259 of the Momony Podcast with Wallace Howick. Make sure to, you can find him on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find him, just find him on Wallace Howick. Um, but his book, Love and Money, Conversations to Have Before You Get Married, you can... Um, pretty much find it on Amazon. You can find it anywhere. Um, but of course, I'm also giving it away for free. So um, this is your last chance. Last chance. I'm going to be drawing winners later tonight, like a midnight tonight or tomorrow, really. I mean, let's be honest. I'll probably be in bed by the Oh, well, I, nah, I'm a night owl. I don't know. Maybe I will draw people tonight at midnight. So don't delay. But I'm giving away copies of uh, books for, for all the books featured on this uh, season of the show, including uh, Wallace's book. So get on it, jessicamorehouse.com slash contest, or 
check out the show notes, jessicamorehouse.com slash 259. Other things I got to share because this is the final episode, the final final way, you know, way to communicate with you until the new year. So stick around. Just have a few words I want to share about this episode's sponsor. This episode of the Mo Money Podcast is supported by Passive. Are you tired of spending time on spreadsheets to manage and keep track of your investments? Passive can help you invest, rebalance, and keep track of your account so you can get rid of your spreadsheets. Once you set up a portfolio, Passive will do all the calculations to keep it balanced, send you notifications when your portfolio needs attention, and you can even place your trades across multiple accounts at the click of a button. Another bonus, Passive is free to all Questrade clients. To learn more about how it all works and to sign up for an account, visit Passive.com slash MoMoney. And that's spelled P-A-S-S-I-V. Once again, to learn more about how Passive can help lighten your load as a DIY investor, visit Passive.com slash MoMoney. Okay, so as I mentioned, go to jessicamorehouse.com slash contest to uh, have your last chance to enter to win one of the books that I'm giving away. Um, I also mentioned in last week's episodes, because um, there was two, make sure to check those out, um, that uh, I was doing a con- giveaway on my Instagram page that is now closed. So I've all- already wrapped those up. Um, and how you can find out if you're the well, you would have received an email if you were the winner. But if you want to find out who did win, you know, follow me on Instagram, number one, at Jessica I. Morehouse, but also make sure to uh, get on my email list, jessicamorehouse.com slash subscribe. That is how you find out all of the things as they happen on my email list. And I will be soon, very, very soon, um, sharing more details about my upcoming, you know, revamped online courses. I can't wait to share them. My investing course will be available first. Then I'll follow that up with my second course all about financial planning. Um what day is it also? It's the 23rd. So also to just to remind you, I'll be exiting my Facebook group, the Money Life Balance Community on December 30th, uh, handing over ownership to Alyssa Davies, um, who is from uh, the blog behind Mixed Up Money. So, you know, get in there. <laughs> if you want to have a conversation, if you want to like, you know, I don't know, ask me a question in the Facebook group. You only have a few days left to do it. Uh, you can find it at facebook.com slash group slash money life balance. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going to be opening up new Facebook groups for my upcoming courses. So I can't wait to share more details about that. Of course, uh, I'm going to wait until the new year to do that. So just hang tight. Um, but you know, this is also a great opportunity um, to, you know, I don't know, hang out, relax, take care of yourself. I, I hope you are, you know, I love that you're listening to this episode, but what I'd highly recommend, because it's what I'm going to be doing over the, kind of the next few days for the Christmas holidays is detox, like digital detox is what I'm talking about. Not just a detox. I don't know how to do real detox. Digital detox, delete all your apps, um, sign out of your accounts. Don't look at your phone for a few days and just chill, read a book, uh, watch a TV show, do some yoga, play chess. I bought a chess board. Like, did you watch The Queen's Gambit? Because if you did, then you probably also bought a chess board like I did. Will I actually have the patience to learn chess? We will have to see. Probably not. I'm very impatient when it comes to board games, so we'll see. But I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut everything down for a few days and do absolutely nothing and try to learn chess. Um, 
<laughs> successfully, maybe not, but we're going to have some fun. Um, so yeah, I just, I really want to say thank you so much for listening, supporting the podcast, um, sharing it with your, you know, friends. There's so many people that have started listening to the show, um, because of the pandemic, which I know is, huh, but it's, it all makes me feel good that you were looking for a resource to, you know, Hey, how can I learn, you know, more about money so I can, you know, have a better situation for myself? And you found my show and you like it and you stuck around. Uh, that really means a lot. And uh, so with that being said, next season, season 12 of the show uh, will be available. I'm going to start, you know, uh, putting out the, the episodes Wednesday, January 13th will be, I guess, the premiere date of season 12 of the show. Can't wait to share some new episodes. As always, uh, you know, DM me on Instagram or Twitter um, or, you know, you can send me an email, jessica at jessicamorehouse.com. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic, let me know. I keep them in a folder and then every time I'm like, okay, it's time to get new guests, I look into my folder to see what do people want to hear about. So I try my best to get uh, what what you guys want to listen to. So let me know. Um, anything else do I have to share? I mean, I'm only going to be like off the air for a few weeks anyway. So it's not like anything. <laughs> it's going to be crazy that happens those few weeks. I think that's kind of it. I think that's really it. I'm excited to take some time off, even though it is just like self-isolating at home with my husband not going home for the holidays this year to Vancouver, which is really sad. Uh, I'm just doing some FaceTiming with all my family members and friends, and that's just how it is. It's, it's a weird Christmas. It really, really is, um, or whatever you celebrate. But I feel like this is also just a great opportunity to, you know, take a step back and just, you know, realize, you know, what are we, you know, all the good things that we have in our life? What should we really focus on being grateful for? Um, focusing on, on you know, because even in darkness, there's always a little bit of light. And so that's what I've actually been doing a lot of this year is realizing, wow, I'm really, you know, fortunate to, you know, live in Canada and to have supportive family and to be able to work from home already. And that was already kind of set up from years past and, um, and have wonderful listeners like you on the show who keep on making this show better and better. So lots of things I'm sure we can all be really grateful for. So really just wishing you a a safe and happy holiday season, Uh, especially a really safe and happy new year. Let's celebrate the new year um, because I think uh, it's going to be great. I think, man, I'm sure if you listen to like my final episode from last year before 2020, I'm like, this is going to be the best year ever. Well, you know, I can't always make predictions that are accurate, but I think, uh, yeah, next year is going to be a good one. So let's, let's be hopeful and just, uh, yeah, have some good, good vibes going into the new year. So thanks again for listening. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said thanks for listening a bajillion times, but I mean it, um, have a a great holiday season and new year. And I'm going to see you back here January 13th with a fresh new episode of the Mo Money podcast. Can't wait. Can't freaking wait. See you then. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.